I find myself recording this a few hours after Putin launched an unprovoked attack upon a sovereign state. It's really very difficult to know what to say in the light of that, but since there's very little we can do directly, let's look at the indirect implications and indeed some of the causes. What I was intending to say, and it's not irrelevant, is that an objection to what I said yesterday in episode 46 might well be that if we don't take responsibility for others, and if we don't listen to others, the infrastructure of society would very quickly disintegrate. After all, our behaviour is controlled by our collective good, and our individual behaviour cannot just do its own thing, irrespective of what other people think, irrespective of what other people say. So, it's a perfectly legitimate and obvious objection to what I said, that if we forestall our tendency to know what's good for children better than they know it themselves, as of course parents do whenever they prevent them from engaging in some activity, or if we ignore the advice of others when they, in a well-meaning way, suggest that we should be doing something different with our lives, aren't we effectively cutting ourselves off completely from one of the most important social constraints and limiters and directives that give shape to our lives? And would we even involve ourselves in education at all if we weren't prepared to learn what other people have discovered and indeed to accept it? So all of this is perfectly legitimate as an objection, and we do take it on board, but it falls into the same scope as many of the other objections that have been raised. So let's just look at it. The first thing to say is that while the world persists in looking outside itself, or we persist in looking outside ourselves, to people who are wannabe leaders of one sort or another, whether it be Putin, Stalin or Lenin, whether it be Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, while we still think we need these people, these self-appointed leaders, then we're going to leave ourselves open to the sort of catastrophic megalomania that we can feel going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. If we're to get rid of this propensity, we need a way to understand how we can live in a way that is not dependent upon such self-appointed leaders. And the problem is so deep in our society that it wouldn't be inappropriate to describe it as a cancer. Because when someone as inept and unworthy of office as Donald Trump can be elected to the American presidency by a vast number of Americans, it's clearly indicative that something very serious is wrong with American society. When somebody like Boris Johnson can become Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, it's very clearly a sign that something is wrong with British society. And although his supporters will deny it, the reality is that these phenomena are not different from the circumstances, albeit the mechanisms are different, that bring people like Putin and Xi and Stalin and Lenin and Mao to prominence and to positions of 
leadership and indeed total tyranny and dominance over the lives of other people. So, what's the reply to the objection? Historically, we have operated on what I suppose you could call the spectrum that is loosely defined by the position of Thomas Hobbes, the 17th century English political thinker, who said basically that man was an animal, a beast, who needed taming, and the only way you could reasonably tame the propensity of other people to do you harm was to have faith in the state, and the problem then became how do you control the power of the state. This is essentially the argument that he uses in Leviathan. About a hundred years later in round numbers, Jean-Jacques Rousseau in France said the exact opposite. He said basically man is a creature of nature. He is essentially like most of the other animals who are not instinctively and naturally given to arbitrary aggression. They will eat when they need to eat, but once they've eaten, they will not go around wreaking havoc the way Putin and his cronies are at the moment. So... Rousseau basically said the problem isn't how you tame man, the problem is how you uh, avoid ruining him, avoid spoiling him. How do you allow man to live? Sorry about the man, ladies. Uh, How do you allow human beings to live in a state of nature, in a state where their natural inclinations rule and they are not bad and not cruel to one another and not aggressive and so on? And so the Hobbes-Rousseau spectrum, which you can find in various forms throughout history, comes to define what we think of as being the alternatives. But are they the alternatives? In the last 50 years, perhaps as never before, we have started to understand the capacity of organization that is not top-down, a kind of self-organization of society, that human beings can organize themselves perfectly effectively if they behave in accordance with certain basic social rules to do with local behavior that do not necessitate global control and global influence, that do not rely upon leaders. And at the risk of boring you yet again, let's think about murmurations of starlings. These are examples of swarms. And when we see these vast clouds of starlings performing their acrobatics in the air, what is happening is that they are obeying three very simple rules. Don't get too close together, but get close enough together and follow one another. And those three rules of proximity, distance and alignment give rise to these murmurations. There isn't a single bird that's running the show. There isn't a leader. There are probably some birds that are more inclined to be initiators of movement than others. That's always going to be the case. But in essence, there isn't a a hierarchical leadership system from the top to the bottom. I saw a very minor example of this when we got back to Heathrow the other day and were driving along the M25 in the early evening. It was dark with very heavy traffic. And as those of you who know it will recognize, the M25 now uses variable speed limits. This is not quite the same thing as a smart motorway, which is, uh, involves all sorts of other things as well. But it uses variable speed limits that require or suggest 
that people should stay in lane, don't overtake, obey the speed limit, and then everybody will get home a lot quicker than if every man is in it for himself. And on the M25, on the 17th of February, all the cars were dutifully sticking about 50 metres apart, doing about 40 miles an hour, and everything was moving swimmingly. Yes, you'd be right to say there are always going to be a few meatheads who just try and take advantage of that, but that will always be the case, and you'll need to deal with that in some kind of socially organised system anyway. I'm sure there are always going to be starlings who don't quite get it and do all sorts of strange things within their murmurations and probably get pecked as a result of it. But the idea is that if we all behave in terms of local rules, that we can actually get along far better than if we have some architecture of leadership where everybody does what one person says. And indeed, I can't resist asking the question, because this is really how much of this long sequence of voice notes began. What is it about human beings that the individual soldiers in the Russian army and the individual soldiers in any army, in any police force, are so inclined to do what they're told that they will unleash the dogs of war on perfectly innocent people other soldiers and civilians because one meathead tells them to do so. How can that possibly arise in a free society? Well, of course, the answer is Russia is not a free society, but it wasn't before the revolution either. And as I've said many a time, one of the most extraordinary things about the Russian revolution is that nothing really changed. There was a change of leadership but the state afterwards was, if anything, at least as bad, if not worse, as it was before. This brings me, at last, to a final point, by an odd coincidence that Radio 4, this very morning, was broadcasting one of Melvin Bragg's In Our Time programmes about Kropotkin. And Kropotkin, for those who've not heard of him, was a late 19th, early 20th century Russian anarchist, not in the sense of someone who believed in going around creating mayhem, but someone who seriously believed that the solution to evolution, and indeed a better version of evolution than the survival of the fittest, was that human beings had learnt to cooperate, to live together in self-organising groups, and that that was the utopian vision for society, that anarchism meant we don't need leaders, or we need only minimal leadership. And my word, if ever there was an example of us not needing leadership, Vladimir Putin is one.